Hi, I'm Tedra Meyer, Vermont Edition producer, and I wanted to let you know that the podcast you're about to listen to has been edited for clarity and brevity. Thanks for listening and enjoy. This is Vermont Edition. I'm Michaela Lafrak. When the James Beard Foundation announced the semifinalists for its 2024 Restaurant and Chef Awards last week, two Vermont restaurants and a bar got some very happy news. Bar Hills Distillery in Montpelier is nominated in the Outstanding Bar category, a national distinction. And two Vermont chefs are nominated for Best Chef in the Northeast, Cara Tobin of Honey Road and Micah Tavelli of Paradiso Hi-Fi. Both restaurants are in Burlington. Today on the show, we are joined by representatives of all three. Cara and Micah are here in the studio with me. Welcome to you both. Thanks Thanks for having us. And we are also joined from Montpelier by Patrick Ummies. He's the general manager of hospitality operations for Caledonia Spirits, which owns Bar Hill. Patrick, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, Micah, let's start with you. How did it feel to get that James Beard call? Um, Yeah, it was pretty... Pretty overwhelming, honestly. It was like a, a rush of emotions, and um, I had like spoken with my fiance earlier in the day and had told her I was like, I don't want to know. Like, don't <laughs> don't text me, don't call me. Like, I I've got a lot of work today, so don't I don't want to know. And of course, she called me like an hour after I got to work, and uh, she was crying, uh, <laughs> just super stoked. And um, yeah, so I took a a couple minutes out of my day to like call my dad and everything but yeah it was it was pretty crazy definitely a wild week this week yeah I bet and and the restaurant has only been open for it's under a year Uh, just a little over a year just a little over yeah we opened in November 2022 okay wow so big distinction just after a year that's amazing how did the staff react Oh, everybody's pumped up. Like energy is really, really high right now. Everybody's excited. So it just like the restaurant feels electric right now for yeah. sure. That's great. Well, Car, you have been down this road a couple times before. Yes. Is that right? You've been yeah. nominated. Is this your fourth, fourth. nomination? Yes. How did yes. it feel this year? Any different? <laughs> or are you like, oh yeah, James um, Beard, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's always exciting, you know, yeah. um, maybe not as exciting as the first time, <laughs> you know, but, um, but always, it just, it's a nice validation for, for myself, but also for the staff. You know, I really, I think about, them and and all the hard work that they put in and i hope that they feel really proud so um yeah yeah Yeah. and patrick (laughs) how about you what was the reaction like over there at bar hill oh man uh so it was a total surprise to us um it was uh i typical restaurant worker i'm off on tuesdays and wednesdays so i was sitting on our back deck with my girlfriend and one of our employees posted the uh instagram story of the finalists and uh that's how i first found out and then immediately called my friend and marketing director lee samuels and our owner and uh, head distiller ryan and Everyone was screaming. I think Lee was crying. You know, my girlfriend who was in the, she's the head chef at Pro Pig was, you know, so happy. And so, you know, couldn't have been more, you know, uh, more supportive and, you know, thankful for, you know, all the hard work we did to move up here and 
the team at Bar Hill, my, my team deserves all the credit. They've been working really hard. We've gone through a lot of change and a lot of, you know, um, just a lot of work in, you know, making us a really, really high end hospitality establishment. And they they've come along for the ride and they're just doing unbelievable work. Hmm. Well, tell us more about that change. I, I'd like to hear uh, more about the the growth of each of your establishments, especially for our listeners who might not have had a chance yet to visit. Um, so, Patrick, uh, could, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about the the history of Bar Hill? Yeah, it's a it's a really fun and interesting story, and I have a, a fun, interesting personal story about it as well. But um, Bar Hill was founded a little over 10 years ago, and we were a little teeny distillery behind a car dealership in Hardwick in a big, biggish red barn uh, with a little 15-gallon direct fire still that was running five days a week, multiple times a day to make enough uh gin infused with raw local honey to get out to our fans in Vermont and a couple in New York and New Jersey. And um, from there, uh, about five years ago, we, you know, continued to expand and grow and be in a few more states on the East Coast. And we uh, built our, our bigger facility in downtown Montpelier on an old uh, brownstone site, um, you know, built the distillery from scratch to be a destination for the community and, um, and you know, a place for us to make outstanding gin and uh, other products as well. Um, and then um, and five years ago, um, uh, Sam Nellis started our cocktail program and he just did an unbelievable job of, you know, putting really, really high end cocktails, you know, into Montpelier and into, you know, our, our former bartenders and the, the original gin slingers that just made, you know, really unbelievable cocktails in Montpelier. Um, and then two years ago, I, um, I moved up here from New Jersey um, with my partner. And uh, we're both in the restaurant industry and we love Bar Hill. I've been coming and visiting for 10 years. I was one of the first accounts to carry it in New Jersey 10 years ago. And when I got the call to be the director of uh, hospitality, it was, you know, dream come true. Mm. So um, uh, for the past two years, we've really been working to, you know, make our hospitality and make our food program match the outstanding cocktail program that was already in place for us. So now we just have a tremendous team that has just unbelievable teamwork and unbelievable talent and unbelievable love for working with local ingredients and raw honey and supporting the pollinators. So it's just, um, it's a culmination of a lot of hard work and extra hours and going above and beyond, but I could not be prouder of the mm. team. Well, we started this week of Vermont Edition with a full hour about bees and pollinators. So this feels like a, a nice little closing of the circle right here, for us at least. Um, listeners, if you have questions for our guests, give us a call, 800-639-2211. Uh, we have Chris in Barry on the line. Chris, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. I just wanted to say I'm fortunate to live in Barry, so I'm very close to Bar Hill. I've uh, had an opportunity to go there many times. In fact, my retirement party was there this year, and you guys did a wonderful <laughs> job. Yay. That's not, why you should be nom <laughs> That's not why you should be nominated or win this award. The, I think for the cocktail I had last week, I wish I could remember the name. It was like a Reese's Peanut Butter thing. It was, oh, yeah, the uh, Reese's movie. Peanut Butter Flip. Was <laughs> one of the best cocktails I've ever had in my life, and it was served in a short-stem goblet that was by itself just beautiful. So... Great job you're doing, and uh, you got my vote to win. <laughs> well, Thank th thanks, Chris, for calling in. Unfortunately, we can't all vote on these. Uh, we could rally a lot of support right now, but uh, folks at James Beard will have to do that. Uh, Micah, tell us a bit more about Paradiso Hi-Fi and, and how, how it came about. You've been in the restaurant scene in Vermont for, for a 
a while. Yeah, about eight years now yeah. I've been uh, here in Vermont. Um, yeah, I was at Hen of the Wood for a good period of time, almost four and a half years, and, and then made the move over to be the chef de cuisine at Daedalus. Uh, and while I was working there, uh, Jason Zuliani, the owner of Daedalus, had approached me about Paradiso. You know, like I had heard like whispers about a vinyl bar, like listening lounge opening. And he finally was, you know, gave me this really killer opportunity to open Paradiso. And uh, yeah, so once he he had, had approached me about it, it kind of was just like from then on, it was like, this is what we're doing. You know, we're, we're opening a restaurant. Um, a restaurant and a vinyl bar, and right? A vinyl Can bar, you yeah. spell out how that works for folks who haven't been there? Uh, yeah, so like... Like, I always describe it as, like, a music-forward restaurant, but, like, it's so much more than that. Um, So we have a custom-built sound system with, like, 1970s vintage Clipshorn speakers. Uh, All the music is played via or off of vinyl. Uh, We have a really awesome music director, Eddie Ogiani, who curates each night's music, um, whether it be jazz, whether it be hip-hop. Sometimes we do, you know, like house music stuff like that um and he does a great job of like pairing the music with our cocktail program with our food program so Mm. um yeah it's it's a really interesting place for sure it's definitely (laughs) something different than other places in town because it's not just like you're coming for dinner you're coming for like a full experience whether Mm. it's the music the cocktails the the food Um, But yeah, when Jason approached me about that, he basically was like, hey, the menu's yours. Like, no one's going to be in there telling you, oh, it needs to be this way or it needs to be something different. So having like a blank slate to create something was an opportunity I just had to jump at. Oh, yeah. That must be a dream as a chef. Um, And I want to hear about some of those recipes in just a moment. But but first, Cara, for... The Vermonters out there who have not yet been lucky enough to visit your restaurant on Church Street, um, could you tell us a little bit about uh, its growth and development over the years? Yeah, um, so Honey Road opened in 2017. 2017, I think that's right. Um, it feels like forever. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I moved up here, well, back to Vermont um, in 2016 from Boston, where I was working at a restaurant uh, called Oleana. Uh, who that restaurant is uh, known for Eastern Mediterranean cuisine, Turkish, um, with a very Turkish spin on it. Um, And when I was there, we were buying a ton of our stuff from Vermont, like all of our lamb, the chicken was Misty Knoll, the dairy was coming from Cabot, the, um, uh, like, it it just seemed uh, the quail we were getting was from Cavendish. And I'm like, man... Why don't why don't I just go up there? They don't have to bring it as far. Um, so, but also we had you know my husband and I had planned to move up here. Uh, we have a couple kids and um, my in laws live up here, um, so that was really helpful. But um, I knew I wanted to open my own place, and I knew that I wanted it to be um, Eastern Mediterranean, which is what Honey Road is. Um, so it's an Eastern Mediterranean inspired small plates restaurant. Um, it's we really encourage people to share uh, family style, which was really funny when we first opened. I remember going into the dining room and and someone was like, "So do we do we each order? Do we 
what do we, and I'm like, just order a bunch of stuff and share it. And then I checked back in with this table probably an hour later and they were like, it works. We're sharing. <laughs> we're actually sharing. And I'm like, I know. Wow, you're <laughs> reteaching really... <laughs> adults how to share. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. But the the thing for me is that it it really speaks to what, you know, food should do. It should mm. uh it, you should be engaged with with the food, but also with the people at the table with you. And so um, small plates to me has always been my favorite way to eat yeah. because it really encourages you to sort of, you know, you're, you're passing spoons, you're passing plates, you're spat, you know, you're talking about things. Um, I always love to taste my husband's food when we go out. Yeah. So this is like even better. <laughs> you, just, you just have to share. <laughs> Do you feel um, the same way about sharing? Mike? Yeah, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause like, I feel like you, kind of set the groundwork for chefs like me in Vermont where like our whole thing is small plates and shareable items. Um, you know, we don't really do like large plates. So I think before that there wasn't a ton of like, Hey, like come in and share the whole yeah. menu. It wasn't, you know, it was more like you get a snack, you get an appetizer, you get a, an entree. Um, so it was a lot more palatable for people when they walked in the door to be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to get the whole menu and share it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, we just got an email from a listener, uh, Julie, who writes, I'd like to know what the process is for getting a James Beard Award. I heard that folks have to apply for this award. Is that true? Uh, Patrick, with Bar Hill, what was the process for you all in getting nominated? Um, so we were, uh, we, do not know for sure. Uh, we were nominated by, I think, a few of our friends who um, have been close to the award through the years. Um, and then I, I believe it was some of our. Oh, Patrick, are you with us? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, there you are now. Sorry. Yeah. So I think um, our award uh, really came uh, via our customers and a few who were very um, into the James Beard Award as we were and, you know, had asked us if we'd ever been nominated or if we were, you know, hoping to win an Outstanding Bar Award. And I said, uh, it's something we would love, but, um, you know, we uh, will we'll kind of see what happens. And I think, you know, through a lot of community love, we uh, we became a nominee. So um, we're we're really excited and it's we're, we're a very community based bar. So we are super happy the community showed us all the love. Now, we obviously are here in Vermont where farm to table is like king and has been for many years. But we also have a very short growing season and are, you know, ble blessed, if you will, with a very long winter. Uh, I'm curious for, for all three of you how um, how influential it is to your menu, the, the, the seasonality of foods, um, especially in the midst of the winter when, you know, you want to try to work with what's available and what's available locally, but that, that's kind of limited at times. Kara, um, let's yeah. with you. Um, I mean, we, we definitely try to keep it as local as possible uh, for as long as we can. Um, I just posted a picture at Honey Road today about a dish um, that's uh, deep fried sweet potato, um, marinated beets, microgreens, um, goat cheese, and all four of those things are local. Um, and I was thinking to myself, like, oh, yeah, we can still do it. You know, you have to be very um, creative <laughs> in the winter. Um, but even so, uh, I, again, I, I was changing the menu at Honey Road last week, and 
I put a second carrot dish on the menu and someone said, we already have a carrot dish on the menu. And I said, but all we have is carrots <laughs> that we're getting from the farm. So let's just sell as many carrots as we can. Um, so for, for us, for me, um, I try to do as much as I can. There's going to be certain things that, you know, we have baba ganoush on the menu all year long. And obviously we're not getting local eggplant right now. Mm. So there's some exceptions that we have to make. But, yeah. um, but for the dishes that we're really trying to highlight, it's... Yeah, I'm building stuff around onions and potatoes and carrots and beets right now. Yeah, so gotta love those root yeah. veggies. <laughs> Nothing wrong with them. Yeah. <laughs> Micah, how about you? Um, yeah, like when we first opened, uh, my sous chef Jackson Tamins and I, uh, we went in just saying, "Hey, we are not going to source anything that's not from New England." Um, which has been a huge challenge for sure, but it definitely makes you think outside the box, yeah. like how many different ways can you cook beets? Um, <laughs> turns out a lot. Um, but yeah, so like at this point, I would say like 90% of what we source is either from Vermont or from New England. Wow. Um, and I think honestly, the hardest part about it has been desserts hmm. because we don't use chocolate. We don't use any citrus or anything like oh, that. Yeah. Obviously the cocktail program's a little different, um, but so figuring out how to incorporate local ingredients into desserts has been very interesting. We do a lot of root vegetable desserts. Like what? Can you tell um, us about one? Yeah, right now, um, Jackson just put on this candied sweet potato dish uh, with toasted marshmallow and this like oat streusel over the top. And it is awesome. Yep. It's ridiculous. Wow. He, like, you know, we make the caramel to order uh, and pour it over a like freshly baked sweet potato uh, and then it's like a nice meringue that gets toasted in that streusel that's pretty pretty stellar mm, I love that sounds yeah. like very Thanksgiving inspired too. yeah totally yeah. those uh, <laughs> sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top yeah exactly to make. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Patrick what about you I mean you're so much of your uh, product there at Bar Hill is is bored out of local honey oh yeah we um are the literally the theme of our bar and cocktail program is land crafted um it's a phrase that we use a lot to you know really emphasize that you know gin and spirits were originally a farm product you had a great year of crops and you wanted to be able to hold and keep your product so you could distill it into a whiskey or a vodka or gin but um, we we work with a lot of local products when in season. Um, obviously, it's really easy in the spring, summer, and fall here in Vermont. But in the winter, we have these awesome opportunities to work with local purveyors. So we we certainly get honey all fall and winter, but we also get you know local coffee coming from you know uh, carrier roasters or big gear. We get you know work with local chocolatiers who you know they're not make the the chocolates and the cocoa, uh, cacao beans aren't coming from here, but we have local artisans making unbelievable chocolate we work with local dairy um milk cream uh all our eggs are coming uh, locally for our cocktails um just a plethora of really awesome local products we have a goat cheese infused cocktail from a uh, vermont creamery and we use their butter to make brown butter infused tomcat so even in the winter we have a really nice opportunity to stay land crafted and you know stay committed to it but obviously we you know we also use what makes cocktails the best for us so we we do use um a lot of citrus and we use some fruits and we um we source 
lemons from an unbelievable yuzu grower in New Jersey. So we stay as regional as possible if we are going to try to use citrus and things like that. Mm. And how do you think Bar Hill's particular style of gin and, and the recipe used to make this gin inspires the the cocktails that the bartenders are making there? Like, are there certain like flavor profiles you feel like they tend towards and away from others? Absolutely. Um, what's... Um, What's really amazing about the program, and I think what makes it so special, is we we start with the most awarded gin in the United States, finished with raw local honey, and we make a vodka from 100% raw local honey. We make a Tomcat barrel aged gin that is, you know, one of my favorite barrel aged products I've ever tasted. Um, so we kind of have this palette of unbelievable products where we don't we can start with them and use their flavors where we know Tomcat has unbelievable vanilla and spice notes that we can really pair against vanilla and molasses and, you know, maple and just make outstanding cocktails. And our gin is bright and fresh and citrusy and floral. So, you know, vanilla goes beautifully with it. Lemon goes beautifully with it. You know, really fun uh, citrusy and uh, tropical tones go great with it. So, it gives us a really beautiful baseline where we can just start off with great products and, you know, not have to have the whole palette of every single liquor in the world, you know, as a base ingredient. We know we have three and now soon to be four with our whiskey, tremendous base ingredients that we can build unbelievable cocktails from. Mm. Wow. That sounded really good. <laughs> really want one right now, but it's a little bit too early. Micah, yeah. um, as we talk about these, um, these kind of unique influences that, that each of uh, your your restaurants, your eateries have, I, I'm curious about the like the interplay between the the food and the dishes you're creating and the music that is played there. Is there any sort of like um, uh, I don't know, cross-pollination to go back to the bees there of being inspired by what you're hearing or what a guest might be hearing on a certain night and the dishes that they'll serve? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, when it comes to the music side, like I love music. I played music when I was younger. Um, but as far as like curating playlists and what we're playing in the, the restaurant, I'm pretty hands-off. Mm-hmm. Um but I think Eddie, our music director, does like a tremendous job of like curating a vibe in the space. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's something that I always notice when I'm in restaurants is like, oh, what's the playlist? Like, what are we listening to tonight? Um, and I think that he does a really good job of like playing off what the food is or what the cocktails are and to curate like that really nice atmosphere in the mm-hmm. space. Um but there's never really like a conversation about it. Like, how do we make the food and the music work together? I think it's all just kind of like a sensory experience where like you can lose yourself in a plate, you can lose yourself in a cocktail or a glass of wine, and then you're back in it and you're hearing the music and you're like, oh, wow, like uh, maybe you've heard the album before and it sounds so much different than you've heard it before just being on that sound system. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's something that you've never heard before and you're super excited about it and want to you know, add it to your playlist. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, I feel like there it also um, helps create a particular type of memory too when you're listening to something and eating something amazing, and those two kind of senses combine Absolutely. into one. Yeah. Well, as we talk about these sort of out of the box inspirations, um, Kara, I heard that you know, even though Honey Road is 
specifically most inspired by Mediterranean dishes and spices and and uh, Turkish traditions in particular. That you used to work at Mexican restaurants, and there were some overlaps there in the flavor profiles. Um, so, so I didn't work specifically in Mexican restaurants, but I grew up in California, um, mm. and I worked in kitchens, and there were. Um, a lot of folks from Mexico in those kitchens. Yeah. And I was very specific about going and saying, will you teach me how to make these things? Like the way you make them? <laughs> like, can I learn how to make mole? Can I learn how to make enchiladas? Can you teach me how to make the chicken that you make? You know, why is it so flavorful and juicy? And why is it, you know, always um, perfectly spiced? And so... Um, I, I had learned a lot of those flavors and so, um, that was my sort of introduction to spices. Um, and then when I started cooking, uh, Eastern Mediterranean food, I tried to draw from that knowledge of those spices, um, and how they play together. And it, it was really helpful in learning, um, about, you know, Turkish food, Lebanese food, Syrian food, um, and, and the overlap of of ink well mostly spices so yeah yeah that yeah. was huge for me yeah wow well let's go back to the phones for a moment here we have a call from hank in montpelier uh hank you're on the air go ahead how's, how's it going hey there hey there um i was just calling to say um as far as the bar hill situation that during the pandemic i thought it was really really awesome that they started making hand sanitizer and I thought that was really nice. And then also, um, I have two friends that are master brewers in Asheville, and any time our buddies would come up to Vermont to come hang out with me, they'd always make sure that our friends got Bar Hill gin because they said it was the best gin they've ever had, so we'd always bring it back down to Asheville for them. Thank you so much. That's uh, but, such a compliment. Yeah. And it was um, the yeah. team did such an amazing job over the pandemic of you know really coming together. And again, like I said, we're at our base the reason we are in montpelier and not you know down the road at, you know somewhere that would be a lot cheaper for us to build the building is we wanted to really build a community in the capital and we thought it was really important and you know the team really they were only down for a week or two before you know they all came together and it wasn't just members of our distilling team it was you know office workers our bartenders our you know hosts that, you know, came together to help us make, um, you know, a product that was going to help community members stay safe during the pandemic. So amazing. Yeah, I thought amazing. that was really, really special and really awesome. Well, thanks so much for your call, Hank. Uh, Patrick, I've also been wondering, you know, no, there's a number of different bartenders there at Bar Hill. You're all part of a big team. How do you decide what what drinks make it on the menu, this James Beard Award nominated menu? So we're um, we're really collaborative. Um, we kind of uh, give our bartenders a lot of flexibility to work, you know, as landcrafted as possible. But you know, with our base spirits as a base, and then you know, kind of build from there. Um, we really are our biggest thing, and it's been my biggest thing. And I know my my partner Bernadette, hers too. We love using the flavor bible, so we want to understand what flavors complement other flavors. So. We uh, talk to them and kind of let them build those compliments and build those cocktails. And then we all come together at our weekly bar meeting and taste and, mm -hmm. you know, give each other our, you know, our opinions and our suggestions. And then, um, you know, we uh, we make our little tweaks and then we, we get them on the menu. Mm. 
Well, it sounds very collaborative. And I, I thinking about that collaboration with both of our guests in studio today, um, I uh, I hesitate to bring this up because I feel like everybody in your lives probably brings up the bear, but I'm just going to do it because <laughs> I think it's probably on folks' minds. Um, I'm taking this bullet. Um, so uh, I think a lot of our listeners, myself included, have watched the show The Bear about a Chicago restaurant. Um, it is obviously dramati- dramatized, but uh, you know I've heard from folks who I know who work in the restaurant industry how um, how eerily close to reality it is for many folks um which is kind of distressing as someone outside of the industry to hear um and i am curious as well first mike i'm going to start with you as somebody with a relatively new restaurant opened in 2022 how how do you go about making sure that you are not cultivating a bear-like atmosphere that is a place that is uh, uh, collaborative and and comfortable to work even in a really high stress situation yeah um i mean definitely coming up in kitchens when i was younger um you know there were moments that felt like the bear you know like that felt pretty intense sometimes like a little violent and angry um and I try really hard for the kitchen not to be that way. Um, I, you know, I always say I try and lead with kindness and uh, like lead by example, you know. Um, nobody yells in the kitchen. Uh, if someone's upset, you know, we take a beat and say, hey, like take a breath, let's take a second. We'll come back to this conversation like it's never, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just food. Like, obviously, hospitality is super important to me, but it's just food. You know, yeah. like we're not performing surgery. Um, yeah. So there's no one needs to, like, have a freak out, have a meltdown. If someone needs to take a step out of the kitchen and cool down for a second, like, that's totally fine. Like, we're you know, it's a five hour service. We're going to get through it. And at the end of the day, we're all going to, you know, cheers and have a good time and see each other tomorrow, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Kara, how do you, how do you approach that? Um, So uh, I've been in the industry for um, since the late nineties date myself a little bit um we well, started as a as a baby yeah i was <laughs> young um and <laughs> back in the late 90s things were very very different um and being a woman in the kitchen was really hard I bet. um and I, i've worked in when we, when i was opening honey road with my business partner allison gibson um we both had had experiences in restaurants that were pretty rough and we both like the first thing we said to each other was let's do everything different let's make it a place that's not those places um and so every decision that we make about the restaurant about the staff about uh what we do it's like you know you check that box first does it align with the way that we want people to feel working in in our restaurant and so um you know, every decision is, is guided by that. Um, the other thing that I always say is that you can scare someone <laughs> when they do something wrong. You can yell and reprimand them and do all those things. It doesn't mean that they're going to change. All that means is they're going to hide their mistake next mm-hmm. time. And so I never want someone to feel that way. I always want to try to teach 
um, you know, the the correct way to do something. Um, and if, you know, the first time they make the mistake, I, it's it's really my fault for not showing them um, properly or better the way to do it. And so I take that responsibility on myself. And then um, from there, just trying to inspire them to want to do it the right way, because um, I don't I don't want. I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable or, or like they're they're not learning or they can't come to me with a question too. Yeah. So that really um, inspires everything that we do. Yeah. This is good parenting advice too. Like writing <laughs> yeah. this down for going home yeah. and doing it with my toddler today. Inspire. <laughs> well, let's go back to the phones. We have a call from Dolly in Burlington. Dolly, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, folks. I just wanted to say... Uh, the gentleman said, well, it's just food. Well, food is complete joy and nourishment. <laughs> and how wonderful it is that we have folks like you here in Vermont. So last night I went to Honey Road and had a magnificent meal and a wonderful time. And Kara, those beets and carrots sure don't taste like the ones I cook. Bravo. <laughs> here, here. Thank you. A complete delight. And I'm so grateful for your talents. Thank Thank you. Well, Dolly, thanks so much for calling in. Karen, what's it feel like to get that kind of feedback? Um, Always amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something's working. (laughs) Keep going with those carrots. Patrick, were you going to say something? Yeah. Can I just, I'd love to offer just a little bit of um, insight to both chefs. Um, Both of you do some of my favorite styles of food and make some of the most amazing food in the state. I remember years ago, I lived outside of Philadelphia and I got to kind of follow Chef Michael at Zahav from his 10 year journey of starting making Israeli street food to becoming, you know, best chef in the United States and getting to come to Honey Road years ago before I moved here and experience the same, you know, flavors and emotions and unbelievable food and hospitality was such a pleasure. And then Paradiso, uh, we we finally were able to get into this year. Uh, we don't make it out to Burlington a ton, but the vibe of small plates and shareables and just great music and great vibe and great cocktails. It's just, it's so cool to see, you know, two local chefs really working so hard at it and, you know, definitely inspiration to us and our food program as well. Mm. well thank you, Patrick. Yeah, thank you so much. Sounds like a pretty good food community to be a part of. Mm. Uh, we have just about a minute left, so I want to give you all just a second to plug quickly one dish that you are super excited about and patrick one drink for you but uh michael let's start with you make people hungry what ingredient you're psyched to be cooking with (laughs) this week i just forgot my menu Um, (laughs) uh, i just put a menu or a dish on yesterday which will probably be be on today tomorrow and the next day and then be gone but uh it's vermont salumi capicola um with potato chips that we make from potatoes from Pete's Green's farm and pickled habanadas that we pickled over the summer from Pamacala farm. Um, we have great relationships with all of those people and it's really awesome to just take like a purveyor and two farms from Vermont and put them all on a plate. And it's like all those people do the heavy lifting for us. You know, we just, you know, yeah. that sounds amazing. <laughs> Kara, you, um, I had more time to think since you were talking. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Um, I just put a um, a lamb kufta on the menu last week. That's uh, lamb kufta, kufta being uh, like meatball. Um, and the lamb comes from Tamarick Lamb Farm um, in East Corinth. Uh, and then it's paired with um, uh, some celery root from Lewis Creek. Uh, it's a celery root tzatziki. So a normal tzatziki would have cucumber. This is celery root in place of the cucumber. Um, 
And it's very simple, but um, sometimes simple is the best. Mm. Oh, also delicious. And Patrick, <laughs> you have to be real quick. I'm sorry. Gotcha. We just put on the love potion number eight. It is a goat cheese and beet cocktail with chocolate and local egg whites. Pairs beautifully with the uh, glazed pork belly. It is so cool to see from one of our bartenders. Oh, that sounds delicious. Well, Patrick Amish, uh, excuse me, Amis with Bar Hill Distillery, Micah Tavelli with Paradiso Hi-Fi, and Kara Tobin with Honey Road. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having and us. And good luck in that <clears throat> next round of James Beard Award nominations. We'll find out the winners in June.